Hello and welcome to UX Like Us, the podcast for user experience designers, researchers, strategists, and LaCroix drinkers. <laughs> I'm your user experience LaCroix drinker, Roman Burcott. Joining me as always is Larry King. How's it going, Roman? <laughs> it's good. Thanks to this tasty LaCroix. <laughs> Patent bending. I can't figure out if I want to call it LaCroix or LaCroix. LaCroix. I, I know they, they say it's LaCroix, but they're wrong. They are wrong. <laughs> I know. But, but, you, but people look at you funny when you say LaCroix. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit off putting, I admit. I walk around telling everybody, "Hey, could uh, can we get some to restock the Le Croix? <laughs> and they're like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> well, I got a little follow up for you. Last okay. week we were we were teasing that uh, we're going to be at UX Camp DC this coming weekend, January twelfth in Washington DC. And I believe that event is sold out, but uh, if you listen to the show and you are going to be attending, I hope that you'll make a point of introducing yourself. We'd love to meet you. And we were talking about having uh, our stickers printed and stickers are printed. And as I hear, they look pretty good. They look actually really good. I am holding several in my hand right now and they look fabulous. And I have one on my laptop and hopefully you'll have one on yours soon. First sticker to adorn your MacBook Pro. I've never put a sticker on a computer ever. This is the first time. No joke. That's awesome. All right. So, yeah, if you find yourself at UX Camp DC, then please stop by. Um, I believe we'll, we'll actually be presenting as well. So you'll have uh, ways of identifying us. Um, I don't want to name check you just on the, on the beard alone. Uh, just go up to random people and ask them. If they are us. <laughs> so Roman, I've been thinking a lot about uh, a particular subject and um, I, I've been thinking a lot about the, the uh, roles that we have in, in, in product teams, um, particularly the role of product management um, and how UX and product management sort of work together. Interesting. So, um, and mostly I've been pondering the point at, you know, where the lines between the two roles come together, right? Hmm, so a little background on where, where I'm coming from with this. So I've been in UX field for about 14 years now, but I've only really been working at product companies for about five or six years, right? And so during that pre-product company time, uh, I worked in consulting and doing agency work and things like that. And as the UX industry sort of grew up, so did I. And I learned about all the sort of, you know, strategy left side double diamond stuff mm -hmm. and was applying that in, you know, the work we were doing with uh, our customers and clients. And then um, about six years ago, I started working at, you know, an enterprise software company, so a product company. And this is when I encountered this new role that I really... I think I'd heard about, but I hadn't really encountered before. And that is the product manager. And so it was, it was an interesting experience for me because I was like, Oh, it, no, no, wait a minute. Oh, he's doing that. Oh, 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 okay. Um, so I'm just, uh, Oh, oh I'm just over here pushing the pixels around and looking for things, ways to make things more usable. And Oh, wait a minute. I'm sort of totally out of that, the, that 
side of the work that I was doing a lot of. Now it's somebody else's job. And that was an interesting experience for me to um, sort of get my head around because I was like, that's that's what I did. And this uh. is not what I was doing here <laughs> at this new place. And so um, I'm really... Tr- you know, I'm really fascinated about this, you know, dichotomy between UX and product management and why both practices or both roles kind of do the same thing a lot of the times. Yeah, totally. I mean, and certainly there's plenty of uh, UX practitioners who started off as product people and plenty of uh, product people who started off as UX practitioners. So, I would take that as a good indicator that there is overlap of uh, uh, skills and, and discipline. Uh, I guess the question is, from a process perspective, should there be an overlap of uh, responsibilities um, and, uh, I guess, outputs and deliverables? You're probably familiar with the Venn diagram where you have the three circles mm-hmm. and one circle has technology the other tech circle has business and the third circle has users customers things like that and then the overlap of that is indicative of something now depending on what site you're on that will say ux (laughs) and other sites it'll say product management and I just find it fascinating because it's like, wait, well, that, that's what, yeah, oh, so are we, we really are kind of doing the same thing. Um, so I started to look at other things on, you know, on the web. It's like, well, you know, what does product management do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to look at uh, um, a bunch of different places and, you know, things like create customer value comes up or things like create you know, measurable business benefits, Mm, Um, identifying unsolved problems, creating product experiences, (laughs) um, trying to um, find your niche among the competition. Um, And I'm like looking at all these things, like these are the exact things I was doing as a consultant in working in agencies in UX, right? It's like, th- right. those were your jobs. You had to go in there and you were like, not just like creating, you know, you were helping the, the client, like not only make this thing that they, they asked for, but like also make sure that, you know, that you're, you're doing things that are creating value for their customers or their audiences. It's measurable. You're identifying, you know, um, problems that they're, constituents or customers or whoever, you know, whatever entity that is, depending on if you're working for a nonprofit or, you know, a public company or whatever, you know, you're doing all these things that product managers are doing in product companies for them. And um, so, and we were not, you know, people didn't hire us for product management. They hired us as UX people. <laughs> or did they? <laughs> or did they? Um, you know, so like things like, you know, product managers like i found this other deck that somebody was like saying what is a product manager it's like well product managers spend their time understanding what customers want and need hmm right product managers like to solve problems (laughs) (laughs) they like to develop solutions that solve these problems and satisfy the needs and wants right you know so it's like it's like all these things like wait a minute no that that's the ux team doing that so (laughs) what's to be done here right like the the product management practice or the product management people that are like, you know, reading product management blogs or going to product management, you know, uh, uh, 
conferences and all this stuff are like talking about all the same stuff that the UX people are talking about. We seems like we should get together on this. Yeah, I uh, I absolutely agree. If user experience designers um, are tortured about what our profession should be called, then I think product managers are less tortured about what the role should be called, but certainly as tortured or more about what they should be doing. So let me ask you this. Does it clarify the waters at all if instead of saying product management versus UX designer, if you say product manager versus product designer? Well, I think um, it's a really good point that you're getting at there. And and it's something that I wanted to also wanted to talk about when we talk about this particular subject is are the titles that we're using for ourselves part of the problem of muddying the water, right? Um, you know, obviously, you know, there's, there's role titles, but then there's things that people do and those aren't always, you know, exactly aligned in every, um, um, in every instance. I mean, the, the UX community has for the longest time, like had the define the damn thing problem, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we've all heard the arguments of that over the years, you know, many, many times and people so much so that people are just sick of it and they don't do it anymore. Um, But at the same time, you know, um, I, I haven't been immersed in the product management, you know, culture or like industry so much, but it seems like they kind of had a, you know, some, something similar going on, but they just kind of just, you know, they didn't obsess about it as much as us we did. Um, (laughs) I don't know if that has to do with, you know, just the type of people that are attracted to one or the versus the other. Um, But um, at the same time, I think it's the, 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 I think it is the role titles and I think it's the, some of the things that we, some of the labels that we use to call things, including UX is, is maybe part of the problem because the term user experience designer is something that is just, it's so broad and it, it encompasses so many different things that I think it's, 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 it is too broad and we have to, sort of narrow it down a bit because I think it, 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 it causes issues. Um, if you think about somebody like, um, like Peter Mirholtz has talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit, um, where he's like, he, <laughs> he, he, he will tell you, um, that user experience as a field only exists because product management wasn't doing its job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that good design practice is actually good product management practice. Um, so, I think that, and what he does is he takes that, 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 that uh, Venn diagram we talked about with the three circles and says, no, it's technology, business and design. Sure. And then that the middle is UXPM, whatever you want to call it, because we're doing the same damn thing. Hmm. Interesting. What springs to mind um, when you mention Peter Merhall's quote about, uh, UX design existing as a discipline because product managers weren't doing their job. Um, Not to put too fine of a point on it, but the way I see it, product management was overbroad. So um, I'm kind of the the opposite everywhere that I've worked has had some form of product management, even to some degree, I think predating the the popularity of the title, but there was always some kind of a, a business analyst or a systems analyst or even a project manager that was essentially serving in that role. And when I first started in the field, 
essentially I was getting screen designs from uh, a, a business or systems analyst that were being delivered to me to essentially um, unsuck the design, right? So it was, here's everything that we need on the page. It, it basically, it was just, it was a wireframe. And uh, although <laughs> the, the analyst didn't know it was a wireframe, they thought it was actually quite good. So that was that first <laughs> <laughs> bit of friction of, uh, hey, maybe we should, uh, you know, try cleaning this up a bit. Let, what if we align some things to some other things? <laughs> right. And, you know, that's a, a lot. You know, I, I've encountered those same situations in, in, in my past, too. And, you know, as we as we dealt with that we realized like no we can't actually unsuck it unless we are the person actually doing the work of that analyst right because right. <laughs> you can't just you know take okay here's all the business requirements here's a screen that fulfill those business requirements now go unsuck it right it's like mm -hmm. you have to think about it deeper than that you have to go back to the to the root you know root problem you're trying to solve and and, and all those other things that you know you know, UX designers do, we dig into. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I guess what sometimes I, I, I think about it and I just look at, you know, some of the techniques that I've seen product managers do, mm -hmm. you know, people from the product management field, uh, versus the things that I've seen people from the UX field do, um, where, you know, where, where, where they have those shared things that, you know, both, disciplines seem to you know be interested in doing i see more innovation in how that's done in the ux side versus in the product management side you I know agree. what i'm saying yeah. it's like um it, you know like uh, not an example but like a, a i think an analogy is like when businesses adopt things like um, NPS or Myers-Briggs because a silver bullet for, you know, measuring a company or, you know, seeing if somebody's right for a job, right? Mm -hmm. All those things are, have been proven. They're, 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 they're all BS, right? They're not based on any science. They were based on somebody came up with an idea that they could sell to people and it just, you know, got mass, you know, adoption because it was an easy idea to do. I see, you know, not to put down any product managers that, that may be listening on this podcast. I actually work for a product manager now, um, but I, I, I see more of this like, you know, holding on to and 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 grabbing like techniques that aren't necessarily the best way of doing things. Whereas I see on the UX side, people doing the same thing, really innovating and really doing interesting things that are based upon, you know, cognitive sciences and, and, and social sciences and, and, and hardcore design thinking and process, um, behind the techniques that are doing, you know, doing the same thing or trying to accomplish the same things that product management is doing in a different way. Yeah. I see that as the, the, the outcome of if, if product management gave birth to, you know, user experience design, um, and, and whatever form you want or what, by whatever label you want to give it. Um, you know, it, I think product management was, uh, overly broad in responsibilities. And so when that happens, then it makes sense to start working on specialization. So basically doing screen design, um, was a good place to start to say, Hey, that's really not my forte. I understand, you know, business generally speaking. So you do the visual design and I'll, 
you know, do all the decision making, basically. I think then you get a little bit of uh, uh, a pollination back because uh, designers and the way they're shaped and they're, you know, they they love all this human centered <laughs> approaches, at least the best ones do. Um, as we discover new techniques and approaches and all that, then we're trying to influence back to the product management um, portion, uh, you know, of the team to say, Hey, you know, um, a survey is okay, but what if we went out and actually talked to customers face to face, you know? Yeah, I think, well, I want to go on to that, you know, talking to customers face to face thing too, because I think it's an interesting one because, you know, all the product managers I work with, they do that a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. They do talk to to customers because of course they want to be customer focused. Everybody talks about that now. What, you know, we, we're customer focused and how does product, you know, the, and the, traditionally the product managers I've worked with, it's like, well, they go out and they, you know, talk to customers, but I see the way that some of them talk to customers and it's in a way that is like, okay. You know, they said they need X, Y, and Z, but I have my famous, you know, I, I call it my famous Venn diagram, but it's not really that famous. <laughs> but on one side, is it, it's the, it says, you know, what, pe you know, people say they need. And on the right hand side is what they actually need. Right. And there's is some overlap, of course. But when we only focus on what they say they need, there's a whole bunch of things that we're missing that they're that are um unspoken because sure. when you know just in the and it's just uh you know part of you know talking to other people they have assumptions about what you want to hear and what you what they think you're going to think is important and they talk about those things and there may be a whole a whole other side of things that they don't even think to talk about or don't think you'll think is important. And if you don't know how to get to that information, you're never going to see it. And now you're making design decisions and product decisions without that information. And um, I see UX has a whole toolbox of things to get to that information that is unspoken by the customer. Yeah, I, I'd love to talk to a product manager to kind of validate this, but I suspect a, a certain amount of that comes from uh, being influenced by the people that you, you know, uh, learn from. And I think in a lot of those cases where a product manager is going to be sitting face to face with a customer, they didn't get there because a user experience designer convinced them to go talk to a customer, but rather because they were riding along with a salesman. And so, you know, from, from their perspective, it's, Hey, it would be a lot better. I can do a better job of building the product if I hear it straight from the customer. So let me come with you. But um, the environment for that is not going to take a, a structured interview type of, of approach. It's more, you know, tell me how much you love my new feature. I, I'm going to make assumptions about, you know, what's going on here, which is always foolish. But, <laughs> you know, um, you know, before people actually talk to customers and, and, and try to figure out what they needed, you know, they just made assumptions about it and they just built things and then they failed. Right. And so, what happens is they start to oh, they figure out, oh, yeah, we actually need to talk to the people that are actually going to use this thing. Mm -hmm. And so they go out and they talk to them and they say, hey, well, so what do you want? And so then they, you know, that person comes back and tells them a bunch of stuff that they want and they go out and implement that and they have more success with that. Right. 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 And not realizing that, oh, but if they had all this other information that they, and they knew how to get to it, they would even be have more success. So I think it's like when you try something out and you get success with it and you tend to keep doing that. Right. right. And, um, 
so I see that, you know, and I, oh man, I, I feel really bad because I keep generalizing about, you know, product managers. Sure. Um, but they're the I worst. Think, yeah. Uh, they're the worst. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I, I see that, you know, people taking that, 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 and I, you know, you see this on the UX side too, just to, just to be fair, you know, of course. people finding one thing that works and then there's continual apply that because, and keep getting the same results, but never actually getting better or improving, you know, the, their, their techniques or getting, you know, getting better information from their customers rather than, you know, just asking them, Hey, what do you want? Um, cause we all know that, well, I, you and I know that, that that's not the, the, the way to, to make a really great product. Cause you can't just ask people what they want. You have to actually understand deeply what problems they're trying to solve and what their needs are. Well, and to be clear, there's plenty of designers who are, you know, either resistant or late to the party on employing, you know, human centered methods as well. You know, there's plenty of uh, designers who, you know, like you said, come up with a couple of things at work or they're just kind of good. They have a good eye and do genius design. And that's uh, that's perfectly marketable as well. You know, I think the other reason that uh, you, I think your observation is, is safe, at least on the, as a generalization that um, the designers tend to be open to um, UX designers tend to be open to additional methods and always kind of scanning the horizon for what works and what new stuff could I try in order to do my job better. And I think that kind of goes back to what we've talked about in terms of um, because user experience design and interaction design and, you know, basically software design as we know it didn't exist, you know, 20 years ago, at least not, you know, not for the web that um, everybody, you know, for a long time, everybody in the field came from a different field. And so, you know, like my kind of background prior to this was journalism. And so, I've had good success as a user experience designer because I take a human centered mindset to how I view the world because as a journalist, it was my job to, you know, go follow somebody around for a day and see how they do their job and then write a story about it. And, you know, with the, the field being composed of all kinds of, you know, people from other disciplines, whether they're from academia um, researchers, uh, accountants, analysts, uh, journalists, whatever it is, um, that we bring together like such a, a breadth of different experiences. Um, and you know, only now are we getting to the point where we're having, uh, you know, some consolidation on like, what's, what's the right way to approach design overall. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that, um, Product managers don't have, people don't have degrees in product management. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, there, there's not. Is there, that, that's actually a good question. It's like, are, is there a, like a, 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 a school or some sort of discipline that says, Hey, this is, you know, cause like there are design schools. There are even, I mean, I have a master's degree in information architecture and interaction design, which is like as, as UXy as you can possibly get when it comes to a degree title. Mm -hmm. Um, but is there like schools of product management? Is that like just a business degree now? I mean, I, I guess that's like, that would be the closest thing, but then that misses an entire part of 
you know, of, of the, the picture that, you know, product management actually has to deal with. It's not just the business side of thing and understanding businesses and business models and how, you know, we map value from the product into the business and, 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 and all that. It's like, you have to understand, you know, customers and, 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 you know, how people use things and, 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 you know, a bunch of uh, cognitive stuff and, you know, things that, you know, the UX community has, you know, focused a lot on um, to be really an effective product manager according to the definitions that I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would tend to agree with that. You know, the funny thing is when I was young and naive, I thought that every product manager was an MBA who spent all their time, you know, researching markets and, you know, sizing addressable markets and doing conjoint analysis to figure out which features could be bundled together to maximize revenues and all that. <laughs> and, as it turns out, after I, you know, spend a little more time talking to them, um, that tends to be somewhat rare. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting, um, yeah, that's an interesting observation. You're, you're, you're right. Cause like if I, when I thought about product management, I was like, well, these are the people that are like, um, you know, getting the product to, um, you know, making sure that all the pieces are in place to actually, you know, put the product into the market into into customers' hands and getting, you know, feedback and stuff like that and really looking at market forces and, you know, what you like you said, total dress of market and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like it, I, I probably in my mind before I actually started working with product management, I was thinking product management is more on the analytical, reductive, quantitative market um, analysis side, whereas UX design was more on the emotional, additive, qualitative uh, analysis side. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, you know, I, I think I had that in my mind when, when I, you know, got into my first product management um, situation. And then I realized it's like, oh no, they're just doing the same stuff we are, except they're not actually, um, you know, they're not doing usability testing. So you you pointed (laughs) out the, uh, uh, the apparent conflict and uh, having worked at quite a few different places at this point, uh, I'd say that trend wise or, or or based on my experience, the the way I see it as being preferable is uh, the product manager owns the business problem and the product team which collectively is, you know, shorthand for product manager, UX uh, practitioner, um, programmer, QA, whomever else, basically the team that's actually building the product. Collectively, they own the customer problem. So product manager essentially was tasked from the business. We've got to sell more salt shakers than, okay, now that person is going to work with the team to conduct the research, to understand, you know, who, who's the right customer for what we're trying to accomplish from the business side. Right. Who's buying salt shakers? Why aren't they buying more salt shakers? Uh, what kind of salt shakers sell more of? Right. <laughs> what are the, what's the total addressable market for salt shakers? And how much more would you be willing to pay if we bundled it with a pepper shaker? <laughs> Exactly. You know this is somebody's job, though. Oh God, we're laughing about it. You want to mess with people at Macy's, like go in there and ask to buy only the salt shaker. <laughs> I already have a pepper mill. I don't need a pepper shaker. Oh man. 
Yeah. I mean, I agree with the, um, the, uh, you know, owning the business problem. Um, I think I found it's my, I've had most success working with product management when I have product management coming to me with a, you know, a well-defined problem or at least a partially defined customer problem that doesn't, you know, sort of delve into, and this is how it's solved. Right. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and that, and that's really, really hard to do. I've worked with, um, different shaped product managers i've had i've worked with product managers that come to you with the solution right. which is like oh it's it, it's it's insufferable because it's like you can't then you have to wind them back to well what was the problem that we're trying to solve with the solution and some people just like are it's really difficult for them to think in terms of the problem you're trying to solve they can only think about the problem they're trying to solve in terms of the solution they've already formed for that problem. That's because you can't put a problem into Jira, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) So it becomes very hard for me as a designer to like, actually, you know, you know, help this person out other than put lipstick on the pig. Right. Because it's like, I, I need to understand what, what we're trying to solve here. You know, you just came to me with like this list of, of JSON, um, elements that need to be handled in this form basically (laughs) and it's like but what are we actually trying to you know what what what, what's what's the customer value here and what what value we're trying to customer what are they what problem we're trying to solve and um sometimes it takes a lot of effort to like wind that person back to the the core problem that they're trying to solve so and i've also worked with um uh product managers that um realize that they tend to come to you with solutions and like when, and when they realize they're doing that, they'll be, they'll, they'll try to pull themselves back and, 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 and go and fall back to the problem um, space only. Right. Cause they want us to solve the problem. Right. So it's, you know, I've worked, you know, with, you know, different types of people. And when it's the, 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 the one that actually un- un- realizes that we're, we, we need problems to solve, not like solutions to put lipstick on. Um, those are, I had a lot more success working with them than with the people that just come with solutions and can never get back to that customer problem definition. Well, that's why I like to frame it as product uh, owning the the business problem and then the team owning the customer problem because again, the UX practitioners collectively, whether it's you know designers or researchers or you know UX team of one, we, we tend to have the skill set needed to then, you know, f- based on a, a, a business problem, go out and conduct the, the kinds of research that are necessary to develop uh, a worldview that would, you know, ultimately result in, you know, how, how can we solve this problem? Um, or really even what is the, the customer, the, the actual customer problem rather than just the business side of the problem? Um, I think that to to say that um, in oversimplified terms, I think that to say the product manager owns the problem um, then kind of cuts out the rest of the team from having, I guess, skin in the game and actually solving a problem for a real human. I mean, can you imagine a product manager walking in and saying, Hey, I've been doing, you know, hundreds of hours of contextual inquiry and I've noticed some trends among people, you know, and you know, here's the personas that I've created for you to now design to. And just for whatever reason, that's not how it is. That would be amazing. <laughs> 
Could you also if do that ever happened? Test? I would be like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> this person gets it. Yeah, exactly. um, but you know what? I, I I think that's becoming more and more common. And I think that uh, fundamentally, um, I think it's the UX designer like sort of, hey, this encompasses all these things, and then there's product management. I think that that that's part of the problem. And I think when we you know take those you know the three bubbles and say well this is business technology and this is like the user mm-hmm. and then in the middle that is something that's either product management or ux or some you know combination of the two people that like own the the, the coming together of all of that um and i think that um you know we have design and you've got strategy and <laughs> i think um we need to we need to, to to sort of break down the walls of of those two those two roles and and just realize that hey guess what they're doing the same thing and maybe we should think about them differently right. well unequivocally the the best work that i've been involved in was projects where the the product manager uh was involved actively deeply engaged in the user research and we were sitting elbow to elbow and you know essentially you know during those times of shared work um you know it was very it was a very fluid situation as far as you know you have a particular you know worldview that you're applying to this discussion and i have my worldview and you know we're working together to you know really understand um, the the landscape that we're trying to operate in. Um, anytime where it was, okay, UX, go do the research. Um, well, honestly, I, I struggle to think of a time that that's even happened because if product management wasn't actively involved in the research, then typically the research was going to fall by the wayside because there's no time in it uh, on the delivery schedule that's being dictated. Right. Uh yeah, I think the the most successful projects that I've worked on have been exactly that, where myself, a product manager, and a developer all did the research together. Mm-hmm. We went to the customers. We said, hey, this is the thing we're thinking about. You know, how, how does this solve your problem? And then we get a bunch of feedback, and then we would go away, and we would brainstorm some designs, and then I would... Uh, you know, work with the developer to to make those designs. And then we would go back to the customer and say, Hey, this is what we're thinking of. And we'd have watched them use it and we would see them like, Oh yeah. Or, Oh no, that doesn't work. And we would watch them, you know, use the thing. And then we would see them actually because of the nature of the product we were using. And we would actually see them like imagine things they could do with this that we didn't even imagine. And we were just like, Oh wow. Yeah, we should support that. <laughs> and so <laughs> we would go back and we would do some more work and fix the things that weren't working. And then like add this new things to do this thing that he thought he could do with it, which you really couldn't, but right. we then built the thing that they, he imagined he could do with that tool. And it was like, it was, it was, it was an amazing experience and we made something really, really cool. That sounds great. Yep. Cool. Well, I hope that none of the product managers I've ever worked with or will work with in the future are listening to this podcast because I'm, you know, I have to be like, oh, I have to cringe when I talk to them next time. <laughs> well, uh, why is that? I, I didn't take anything you were saying to be besmirching the product management discipline. I think I felt like I was besmirching a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, and to be clear, I, I've certainly worked with, uh, you know, amazing product managers. And I've worked with some that, you know, weren't uh, 
A players by <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think in, in general, we get into these kind of weird situations where there's a, an awkward overlap and, you know, who's, you know, who's going to cover which bases. Uh, I, I think part of that is because we're in a discipline that was the result of another discipline being, you know, stretched thin, just like our discipline of design has, you know, resulted in further uh, specialization, you know, oh, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't cover the research and everything else. So now you've got the research specialists and and so on. So um, to me, the, the, the optimistic view of the kind of overlap issue is reflected in things like the, um, uh, Enterprise UX conference being renamed. Uh, I think they're calling it Enterprise Experience as of this year. And you know, part of the the reasoning there being, hey, invite your product management uh, colleagues, invite your technology colleagues, invite you know business people and and technicians and engineers, uh, so that everybody involved in delivering the value to the customer, that valuable uh, user experience, whatever it is. Uh, are all you know learning together, working together, and, and figuring out good ways to to actually um, deliver good products to people. That's right, because user experience is everybody's responsibility. Right on. I need to get a a, a button to to play sound samples. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Soundboard. Yeah, yeah. Slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that's a, a good discussion and uh now that you uh bring it up I, i'll have to invite uh, one of my good friends who's uh my favorite product manager of all time uh, have him on the show see what he has to say about it all right so cue up the the sound card it's time for stuff designers love stuff designers love this week in Stuff Designers Love, I actually have something that I discovered today that I love. Right on. What, what you got? So one of the things that designers love are sketching tools. Mm. Would you agree with that, Roman? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a <coughs> sketching nerd. As designers go, that's that's my thing. So I, um, I sketch a lot and I take a lot of notes. Right. So I kind of do both. And for a while there, I was like filling up notebook after notebook, after notebook, after notebook, after notebook. And I was just like piling up all these notebooks. And the way I take notes and sketch, it's like it's a lot of throwaway stuff. And it's mostly just to, you know, reinforce ideas that I have in my head or, you know, thoughts and, 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 and things like that. And so I it's one of those things where it's like I probably actually go back and look at maybe 10 that's probably generous. Ten percent of the the stuff that I've actually written down or sketched, um, and so, um, I got an iPad Pro like eighteen months ago when the when the big twelve point nine inch the second generation came out, um, and I started taking all my notes and doing all my sketches on the iPad with the with with the pencil, right, and I started using you know some other people around me were using this. Uh, app called good notes and so that's sort of what i just defaulted to because you know it it worked fine it wasn't great but i tried some other things and they weren't really optimized for the type of stuff that i wanted to do and which is mostly a lot of note taking right and so right 
it was okay, but and I didn't love it. But then I tried other things and it's like, well, it doesn't do things quite what I want to. So I just like stuck with this other. Um, so I stuck with good notes for a, a very long time. And then I just, re- just recently discovered this app called Linnea sketch. Oh yes. Have you heard? I know that you are an aficionado of different sketch um, apps. And so you, I don't know if you've run across fault. this one. Yeah. Yeah. So this one's by the Icon Factory. It's called Linnea Sketch, and I am falling in love with it. And it is like really good. It's like it's scratching all the right itches for me on, when it comes to a, a, a an app. Number one, it's like it has a really good way of picking colors and doing color swatches. Um, uh, way better than than what Good Newts was, and much easier to, to select and 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 switch between. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's got like lots of really interesting background things, like not only just a regular, you know, square grid, but it also has like isometric grids or yeah. hexagonal grids, or it'll have like storyboarding things or, um, you know, other things like that. Uh, it even has like calendar and checklist and, and, and stuff like that backgrounds kind of like a, a kind of similar to, you know, how mural has a bunch of different type of backgrounds that you can, you know, start with right, and, right. and use as a template to, 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 do some work, whether it's, you know, storyboard or some business canvas or something like that. So that was really good. And, you know, it's just got a, it's just has a lot of really nice things like that, but there has one just killer feature that I just love, 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 love. Um, and one of the things that's always been missing, I think with, you know, the using an iPad and using the pencil is, the erase right like if you have a real pencil you draw you Mm -hmm. turn it over and you erase right and you know i thought well maybe maybe um you know apple will do something like that for the for the new pencil um which they didn't do they put this little tap thing that where you can tap on it and and i don't have the new pencil i still have the old one in the in the old ipad right um (laughs) yeah (laughs) i didn't i didn't spend you know $1,300 $1,300 on a new iPad um, because I didn't need it. My, the one I work, work has works fine. Um, but the icon factory has this really cool thing where it's like, as when you're using the pencil, you can set what rubbing your finger on the, the um, sketch does. Oh. So, so you can set it where it's like, if you draw and you're using a pencil, I can just erase with my finger. That's pretty slick. I, I generally configure sketching apps to to smudge with my finger, but maybe it would make more sense since I spend a lot of time e- erasing. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, yeah, sometimes you smudge, but it's like, are you are you smudging more? Or are you erasing more? Like like when I'm taking notes, I'm you know I'm not smudging my notes. True, I'm, true. I need to erase, and so being able to just erase with your finger is like, oh, it's just brilliant. I love that little thing. Um, and I think it worked, you know, I don't, I haven't used the new pencil with the little tap changing things. Um, but I think this was just brilliant. It's like, oh yeah, I'm drawing here and I just raised my finger and it's, oh, I love it so much. I think I found my new app. The problem is now I have all these notes in another app, but since I don't really go back to them, does it really matter? Just start over fresh. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the tough thing is like changing workflows to the, the cool new app. Always means you got to leave something else behind. Yep. Well, what you really want to do is get you that new iPad Pro. Um, the old one you can use to balance out your dining table. Uh, if it's got a short leg on it, you just slide that right <laughs> underneath that because you're not going to need that anymore. 
you get you a new iPad Pro. Everything else that they sell is just a way to get you to buy dongles. That's where all the margin right. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So Linea Sketch, that's available on iOS only, I believe. Uh, probably because it's made by the Icon Factory and Icon Factory is an iOS. Um, they're iOS nerds, basically. So, sure, sure. Um, yeah. All right. Check it out. Well, I found something that I love. Have you, are you aware, Larry, of Untuck It shirts? Uh, <laughs> I've heard of Untuck It shirts. In fact, <laughs> in Philadelphia, right next to the Apple store yeah. is an Untuck It shirt store. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Well, for Listeners who don't happen to be uh, 40-something-year-old, slightly tubby guys, you may not have been uh, aggressively marketed to on Facebook by Untuck It. But for me, I've been hounded by their ads for years. Um, The premise is it's a shirt that is tailored to be worn untucked. Like a button-up shirt. Yeah, yeah, button-up, nice shirt. Um, but it's just not intended to be tucked in. So basically it's a little bit shorter and they're cut a little bit uh, uh, more of a slim fit cut to them so that uh, they look good when you wear them untucked. So I've been looking at the ads literally for like years on Facebook because they're hyper targeted to my uh, <laughs> to my demographics and apparently my interest list. Every time I say I need to work out more, they show me another untuck it ad. <laughs> But Santa nice. Claus finally sent me uh, a couple of Untuck It shirts, and uh, I gotta say, I, I love them already. Um, one of them is more of a traditional like uh, business shirt, and so uh, it looks like it would look better with a, a tie on, just because you know, like sometimes when, when you unbutton the top buttons, the shirt doesn't quite you know lay right. So. Basically, I got one that'll look killer with a tie. And then the other one is made from their performance fabric, which is like moisture wicking and good for sweat and stuff. So when it warms back up in the summer, I'll be covered. Oh, my gosh. I hate that term moisture wicking. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take all those sweat molecules from your body and distribute them into the air. It just sounds disgusting. Moisture wicking. (laughs) Disgusting yet necessary. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, untuck it shirts. Um, They're obviously they're, they're dude oriented, but they appear in uh, some of the recent ads that I've seen to also have, uh, you know, ladies apparel. And I think even kids at this point, but uh, finally took the plunge, tried the untuck it shirts and I love them. So, uh, you can check those out at untuckit.com. Man, I wish we got paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, as always, thanks for sharing and uh, reviewing the show. Uh, the audience is growing. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. And of course, positive reviews help us tremendously because uh, we just want to get some good content out to people that could benefit from it. Cool, and I hope we see you at... Uh... UX Kent DC on Saturday, the 12th of January, 2019, for all the people that listen to this a year from now. But if you can't make it to UX Kent DC, uh, be sure to uh, shout out on Twitter. I'm at Superman and Larry is at LA King. Cheers. They're in the dongle business.